On this episode of Doc Shock, the Addiction Lifeguard, I'm going to continue with part two of my conversation with Miriam Ovisi about her book, Care of the Whole Self. I am Dr. Jacques de Bruker, a licensed professional counselor and psychologist and an addiction specialist. I am here in Virginia and in Texas as well, and helping you in your path to recovery. The goal of these podcasts is to give you some information, guidance, and helpful advice on how to make your way towards recovery. Addiction is a serious problem and should be taken seriously. And I hope that you will be inspired by these podcasts to seek out professional help if you are in need of help. And if you're a family member of an addict, that you will seek help for that person as well as for yourself. So let's listen to what Miriam has to say and see if we can learn something about incorporating something new into our path to recovery. So about eight years ago, my teachers presented an idea to me that it doesn't take much to be able to look inside, find a moment of peace, and let that carry us through the day. It really impacted me, that idea, and I decided to test this theory. And I devoted the next decade to doing that. And through the tools of yoga, I've come to recognize that, yes, indeed, this is really true. I've shown up for tens and thousands of hours of working with individuals that seeing that it doesn't take much to show up for oneself that with 10-15 minutes a day we are capable of doing that and this also was my inspiration for writing the book so you you wrote this great book I, I loved it it's great um the care of the whole self. And, and in the book, you talk about, you use the word shift to describe, um, sh- you know, the hardest part to, that it doesn't make, make a shift. The hardest part for that is people using discipline, a shift, shift from what to what? So from the habits that pull us out of ourselves to habits that bring us back home so that we can be integrated to navigate. So the simplest way to, from a state of being disintegrated to a state of integration. I like the, I like the the use of the word shift rather than change. Cause to me, whenever you're talking to somebody who has addiction issues, change means there's something wrong with you and you must do something else because you have to make a change. You keep talking about a shift. So you're not actually a bad person or you 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 know it's like you're there's something you have to move from here to here not alter it but just move it from here to here so i like that term of shift i'm going mean, to i'm going to steal that from you it's yours that i like that a lot uh, when it comes to addiction um but you actually have these to to help facilitate that shift you talk about different rituals that you can do and you kind of mentioned that briefly when you're talking about that that minute of gratitude mm-hmm. and whatever but what what kind of things are you talking about with the with that shift those rituals can you give us those tools sure come on share so i'll start with the morning is that 
we'll start with the morning. And so I have kind of these words that encapsulate the different times of day and the different times of day correlate to the sun. And I want to just say that we harmony comes from being attuned to the nature of who we are and what is around us. So the sun rises, we are circadian, and we also rise with the sun. That is our nature. And so that first word is to acknowledge. And the idea of when we awaken to acknowledge our arrival to the new day with a intentional, purposeful thought. And it can just be two words. Thank you. Or I am here. What that does, and you know, maybe you've seen this, is when people wake up, they don't, there's no like lingering and loud. They just might go straight into the negative talk, straight into like, oh gosh, here's another day. My gosh, I got to do X, Y, and Z. Is my child up? And Right. So you wake up in the morning and the first word is, ugh. Yes. Or something <laughs> worse. <laughs> you know, I brought this up. The, so when I was kind of before writing this book, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I would ask at the, you know, when there was dinner parties before that, we're in a global pandemic. And I would ask, you know, what's the first thing you do, you think of when you wake up? And you wouldn't believe how many people cursed when they woke up, the first thing <laughs> out of their mouth. And so this comes from that idea of like intersect that, pivot, shift, and consider s saying either thank you, you don't even have to name what you're thankful for. Or just acknowledge your eyes have opened, you're breathing, you're here. The sun is shining. The day has arrived. So that sense of acknowledgement to bring you into the present moment. The second one is to rise and the seven movements of the spine. This uh, vessel is has structure, it has matter, and we are responsible to take care of this matter. It's no one else's job but ours. And when we don't move, what happens is we feel stiff. When we wake up, the reason we're stiff is because the fascia literally gets stiff when we sleep so that when we wake up, we move. It's like the body has already has the tech and it tells you, you got to move every day. So what does it do? It stiffens when you sleep. So rise and the rising is the seven movements of the spine. And you just stand at the side of your bed and you do the elongation, lateral, rotation, flexion, extension. It literally can take under a minute. But with the breath infusion, it becomes maybe a couple minutes. And I have a little video on the website to guide that. And then the last part is breathe. And you can definitely infuse them all together. Like you could have that moment when you open your eyes to breathe, to say thank you, and to sit up in bed and do the seven movements of the spine, or it can be kind of separate moments. But the breath is your key to regulating of the nervous system. The nervous system picks most of its cues up from the breath. It's incredible what the breath, what it feeds the mind. And so if you begin to breathe just a minute or even 30 seconds of diaphragmic breathing, that means you expand on the inhale, expand the lower ribs, give space, you exhale, there's a drawing in, you're in the nature of your diaphragmic movement, 
you're already telling your nervous system, here I am. And the nervous system starts to slow down, especially if you lengthen the exhale, because we know that the lengthened exhale, the nervous system says, this being is trying to relax. I have a, I have a five-year-old daughter, and that is exactly how she wakes up every day as you're describing it. Um, unless there's something so else wise. naturally, that's what I think we just naturally do that. We learn not to do it and turn into the ugh every morning. She wakes up, she opens her eyes. I can see her breathing. She will stretch, you know, she might, she'll, and she usually always has something positive to say. The first thing when she opens her mouth and so at three and four and five, when she's nine and 10 and 11, it won't be there anymore. And by the time she's a teenager, I won't be able to get her out of bed. <laughs> yes. But the fact that you allow that and you don't go and interrupt that morning mm -hmm. by yelling at her or saying, you're lazy, get out of bed. This is like you are saying something so beautiful, which is this is our nature. Mm -hmm. If you look at our animals, this, this is what they do. This is our nature. And why has it been interrupted? That's a journey that people have to do individually. Mm -hmm. But what a beautiful remembrance of we're returning back to our nature. And the, the effects of trauma on us, especially as children, can change all that into something else. And so the the change in, in uh, the natural instinctive patterns of behavior upon rising exactly. can be shifted because of that. Or as adults, because we intellectualize everything and we shorten experientially everything into the moment. And I have to go to work. This is wrong. That's wrong. And now today with the coronavirus it's what wh what now mm -hmm. <laughs> every day yes. is like what's now what now yes yeah we want to we want to read the news because we want to see what happened today because it will affect my life right we are living in those times we're, we're in a state where we already got a little warning from our governor things kind of shifting parameters shifting so you already are a little bit on edge mm-hmm This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm. It's a free podcast platform that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. So in working with a specific client that was on a pretty, I would say, traumatic journey with cancer, many treatments, many uh, surgeries, and the affects of it, we'd been working for about five weeks, kind of shared a pretty substantial toolkit. It was pretty heavy by the, by the fifth session. And then there's always a little bit of like, what's been helpful? And then that statement of like, nothing works to me. Like, none of this has worked. I cannot achieve the sense of peace that you're saying. And it's in those moments that, you know, 
you kind of want to pull your hair out and you you want to just be like hands up in the air I don't know what to do but it's in those moments that you become humble and you I realize like the person has to be really a part of this uh, process and so the shift for me happened to involve them with their own creativity of how can we make for example this particular tool work and i think this doesn't happen once it happens every so often and to me it's just this beautiful remembrance that we don't know everything and we don't always have all the answers so in the world of addiction treatment um we use frameworks uh and and um commonly referred to as a program like what's your program Pro a program is just a structured framework of of things that you do whether it's a 12-step program or or some other process that you're following but it is a structured process incrementally moving towards recovery it's not something that happens instantly um, i fight with people all the time about going to rehab um, that as the cure and it's not, it's 30 days of a separation between you and your drug of choice, but the incremental movement towards recovery takes a long time. Uh, my experience and, and the data shows that it takes about a year and a half to two years to really consider yourself sober or clean from, from chemicals, perhaps longer with, with, uh, behavioral addictions like porn and eating and shopping and whatever. But in that, in that incremental step process of moving towards that, as, as I'm going to now use shift away from uh, chemical dependency to um, other coping mechanisms, part of it is that change in what you're doing that's in the key keyword here is incremental. So like in the 12 step process, the first step is recognizing that you're just out of control and that's it. That's the step. And Somebody might take work with a sponsor, for example, and take a month working on that, just accepting the fact that they're out of control, their life's unmanageable. So making that shift incrementally from where you are to this more enlightened kind of light being incrementally gets there. And you talked about the different little techniques of, you know, waking up in the morning and the, the, the small little things, how... How do you, how do you, when you encounter somebody who has addiction, how do you work with them to get them to recognize that you, you have this problem and you're dysregulated, mm -hmm. your affect is dysregulated. You are all over the place emotionally and um, physically. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to, what do you do with them? So I've introduced the tools to be very specific at three times of day. One is the morning. One is the afternoon and what is the evening? And the reason for that is these are moments of transition of a person's day where we can fall back into more destructive habits. The morning between work and going home and then the evening. Mm -hmm. And the first step is to be able to have a conversation of, you know, what time these are your choices. You have morning, you have afternoon, you have evening, you know, in the parameters of time, which of these times are the ones that you 
you will sink the fastest. So those those times when you're the most vulnerable, uh, and in in recovery terms, we would call that the time when you engage in stinking thinking. Your life is just crap. Yes. At, at this moment, that's what your brain is. Yes. It's gone. And to be able to first identify that, you know, is so critical of, of awareness. That's a level of awareness that needs to be celebrated. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know the time of day that you will fall into the deep well. Check. Then we go through, these are tools for this time of day. And they're different you know, I don't, I don't know how far you want me to go with this, but the morning is very specific. The afternoon takes into account the idea of rest, but also movement and being reflective, not kind of going through the day and never thinking about your day, but thinking about the day and owning a part of it that you want to let go of and a part of it that you want to embrace. And the evening has to do with really releasing in the hips and in the lower body because we can be gripping the entire day based on what someone told us or that I hit the brake a little too hard when I was driving and I was avoiding an accident. Mm-hmm. And that can change my entire breath pattern and it can get stored deep in my iliopsoas or in the gut. Mm-hmm. And you just hang on to it. Yes. And so the evening, I'm very specific, like that's when you do the hip release. You can do it in bed, you can do it in the mat next to you. And so those that's how I do it. And each practice is one to three minutes. Identify the time of day that you are likely to sink. And what is one tool we can intersect into that time for the shift? And let's practice this for a week and come back next week and, let, and let's talk about it. So to my brothers and sisters in addiction out there, this is something you would have to do, even though you don't want to do it. Because <laughs> you, it's like, I'm not doing that. But you have to do that because in order to make a shift and a move towards recovery, you have to change what you're doing. And those those words you just used describe very perfectly what happens to people who are hardcore addicts. There are times a day when they start to crater uh, emotionally. And they may not have the ability to uh, regulate that time. So it may happen at work or school at home in front of other people, but it's a regular occurrence. Four o'clock is the, the bad hour, two o'clock or, and that's usually when they start drinking. Yes. And they're interestingly, the, the more, what I'm finding, especially women who are the, the wine drinkers, it goes from evening and perhaps they are trying to experience that, that physical release at that time. It goes from an evening glass of wine to an e- evening two, to a bottle, to three, you know, four o'clock and then maybe three o'clock. And now that we're all working from home, it ends up being 12 o'clock and then that's not enough. So then there's a shift to a shot of vodka to kind of get you going to then have the glass of wine. And those times of that experience that you're talking about start to shift downward into the day earlier and earlier. Um, And, and that body keeping the score as uh, Vander Kolk would say, is is what you're talking about. Yes. So the practice of changing that is giving a, yourself a different coping mechanism to deal with those experiences of of dysregulation, downregulation. Correct. And being Physically intentional. Released. Yeah. Physical and being physical in the intention, and using the tech that we have. Like this is you have technology, and I often say, this is an experiment. It may not work with you. Are you willing to try this for 21 days? You know, and, you know, we're speaking about addictions. 
I come from yoga therapy and yoga. I have my own scope of practice. So I, I can't, if someone is going through hardcore addiction, they have to see a professional to deal with addictions. I am a very helpful, or the field of yoga and yoga therapy is a very helpful complementary practice for the person on that journey because of these tools. Part of the program. Absolutely. You got to have a program. Absolutely. And that can be a vital part of the program is learning how to physically regulate at times when you're dysregulated. So while it's not technically a clinical thing, it is a very vital and important part of it. And that's why I always try to get people to do uh, the the yoga experiences and I try to get them to do it. And they usually are and like I when I was talking to Heather, you know, trying to get them to do it is no, I'm not. No. <laughs> yeah. You have to make it easy and accessible and on their own terms. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the reasons on the website I have the videos free is because I don't know what where somebody wants to begin. They may be just watching one video and it's short enough that they can kind of just sit with themselves and listen and then decide if they want to take take it in. But this also kind of leans into another premise of yoga is that this is to be an individual practice. And so sometimes if the person can just have a conversation like with someone who teaches yoga to say, well, are you willing to at least talk about it with someone and just see if there's a couple tools for you to implement? Uh, this is a very big conversation we're about to dive into, but the world of the yoga and yoga therapy as an effective modality to include into addictive recovery. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's something that I think has some connotations to it that people have as to uh, what is it, you know, because yoga, when you say the word yoga, you don't know what a person's thinking. Are they thinking, you know, hot yoga, sweating, exercise, instructor yelling at you or is it going to be meditative and you know all incensey and flowery and or is it going to be something that's more of a clinical basis and theory of application um and it's it, it is a uh you're, you're overcoming that probably i do yes every and, time. and that's why in our own field we've had to separate yoga therapy from yoga we've had to separate it out because of this confusion and yoga therapy, like if anyone makes recommendations for a person on the journey with, with recovery is please don't tell someone to go do yoga. Mm-hmm. Tell someone to seek a yoga therapist and find yoga therapy. Sending someone off to go f- do yoga is probably can be traumatic. It can. Yeah. And I've, I've had experience of people not really listening to my recommendations, but going out and seeking out yoga on their own and they get re-triggered or they have a bad experience or whatever. People listen to this podcast are all over the country. So it's, you, you, you do have to see, like you just said, you have to seek out the person who is a trauma informed yoga practitioner and doing, and what did you call it? Yoga therapist. Yoga therapist. Yes. So there's that's an actual term that you would look for. That's you're saying that's the designation. Yeah, and that's the so accreditation. Many- and only you know, you have to have a certain level of experience and study to have that title. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga teacher, I would say it's just it's not regulated enough. You can be two hundred hour, you can be five hundred. Some of them don't even go through 
Yoga Alliance. They're not registered. Yoga therapy is much safer. And then you brought up the the term trauma-informed mm-hmm. yoga therapist, which is another layer. And there are trainings out there, one that Heather and I lead, but this is another level of deep care to have and finding the trauma-informed yoga therapist. And it's amazing. We're all over the world. You know, we're not just here in Virginia. We're all over the world. We, You can find them. They just, exist. Just have to look. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Miriam Ovisi for coming in today and continuing her conversation about her book, Care of the Whole Self, and how she helped us kind of understand how you can include yoga-inspired practices for recovery. Hopefully, you've learned something from this, and if you have, that's great. And if you need further help, you can reach out to me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com I am available for help for addicts as well as for families of addicts in the Dallas, Texas area as well as the Northern Virginia area and if you need help yourself because you're an addict and you are looking for help and you're not in one of the areas where I work please seek out help there's so much available for you out there even in these times of lockdowns and restrictions There are meetings online through AA, NA, and Al-Anon every hour on the hour worldwide. Just go on the web and click on a meeting or seek further help. Go find a professional that specializes in addiction therapy, addiction treatment, and can help you with your substance abuse problems. You don't have to be technically an addict. If you just feel like you need help for substance abuse, you can certainly seek that out. Locally, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There is help out there. Don't be afraid of residential treatment or detox. It is the beginnings of the recovery process. It is nothing to be ashamed of. Just remember, it's not how many times you fall down that matter. It's how many times you get back up. And you only need to get back up that one last time to really get into recovery. It's not worth saving your addiction to end your life. Or did I say that right? It's not worth ending your life to save your addiction. That's a better way to put it. Come back and listen to some more episodes. And I look forward to teaching, guiding, and helping anybody and everybody out there. Thanks for listening.